The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Go, Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Ambar Garcia, Brian Broadus, Patrick Walker, and Derek Eagleton. Hello, guys. Welcome to another episode of The Break. I am hosting today, but I have Brian and Patrick here with me. Derek is busy with important meetings. Uh, we'll see what comes out of that. But in the meantime, we'll hold, like he did yesterday, we'll hold down the fort uh, with us here. I wanted to start off the show by talking about some of the roster moves that have happened. Um, nothing creating big right. splashes no or big news but the cowboys did release uh they cut tackle alex taylor priolo 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 and then linebacker michael jones on monday mm-hmm. and then they did sign four players mm-hmm. into the practice squad so patrick i'll let you take a handle of those players, who they are, if there's much to say there uh, uh, as far as like what they're adding to the team. Uh, not a lot of digging in um, to these guys is, is available right now, but we have Eric Saubert, uh, tight end. He was signed to the practice squad, as was Adam Pankey, a uh, guard, Buddy Johnson, linebacker, and Chris Glazer, or Glazer, uh, a guard. So two offensive linemen joined the Cowboys practice squad for insurance purposes, which is just you know smart to do so. Um, Michael Jones is being replaced by Buddy Johnson. And Brian and I were talking about this before we went hot. Uh, Interest in the length of time that Michael Jones was here. I mean, as far as it being shortened. Uh, The Cowboys obviously got him in, didn't necessarily like what they saw from him in practices. He never got an elevation. And he was here for all of two, three weeks, three calendar weeks, if you're talking about two games Mm -hmm. and the bye week. So uh, Michael Jones came in and and never really had a shot. They did go out and get Rashawn Evans, obviously signed him to the practice squad, former first round pick, no stranger to the big stage, you know, Alabama product. Um, So yeah, Cowboys added a tight end, which also makes me wonder and, and I'll get some more information on this after the show, talk to some folks, uh, where Peyton Hendershot is with that yeah. ankle injury. That, right. that makes me wonder where Peyton Hendershot is. And I, Brian's probably thinking the same thing as well. You're going to add a tight end. Uh, is, does that mean Hendershot's going to be out a longer period of time than maybe anticipated? So something to keep an eye on there. Yeah, they've had some struggles uh, with some of their point of attack blocking. And, and maybe Salbert is a guy, he went to a tiny school. He went to Drake. You know, and nothing against Drake or tiny schools or anything like that. But he's one of those guys that's kind of bounced around the league. And so when you get a guy like that, it's, you know, the development. Is he is he is he a guy that's developing? You know, and there's some clips I've seen of him. I haven't done a full-on report, but there's some people out there that have. And you could kind of see some clips of him as a blocker. Seems like something that's a little bit of a strength of his. Uh, you know, he's... He's one of those guys who has career, you know, in college he caught like 183 passes. So he's capable of doing those types of things. But to Patrick's point, you know, you wonder if, you know, with the health of Hendershot, you know, you need guys to practice. You need those bodies to practice and stuff. But they also might be looking at their situation with blocking 
Uh, it, it, when you go back and as you study the All-22 uh, from the Chargers game, they tried really hard in that game to use their tight ends at the point of attack. They tried to use their tight ends on the backside of some pulls to get to the point of attack, bringing in, you know, they, they pull a guard or pull a tackle, and they were getting compressed and they were getting beat. And they were, you know, it was a really rough game when it came to running the football. And you wonder if now it's like, do we need to go out and see if we can work out some guys to try and see if we can get some better blocking uh, at the point of attack? And maybe Selbert is a guy that they kind of look at that, well, let's give him a shot and let's see. I mean, you can, it, it's hard to do during. <laughs> during these practices to see how a guy is going to be. So it's going to have to be, okay, what have the pro guys seen from him? Maybe there's some stops along the way in training camps where they can see that, well, this guy seems like a pretty good blocker. But that's saying a lot right now. they're, They're just not as consistent as they need to be running the football. And some of it has to do with what's going on at the point of attack. With their blocking and with the linebacker, um, what's interesting about Buddy Johnson is this is a homecoming for him. Uh, he's only 24 years old, but he's uh, already a bit of an NFL, NFL journeyman. Only yeah. two tackles in his NFL, NFL career, but he's Dallas born and bred. Went to Kimball uh, High School and um, Texas A and M product. Right. So, so he's coming back home. So this is obviously someone that the scouting department has some information on. You know, from when he entered the NFL draft. So you know, insurance there because you needed that linebacker, and they're just ready to see what. What, what Buddy Johnson can do over what they saw or didn't see from Michael Jones. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a that's a good point. But, you know, he was a guy that was, if you look at, it, he was a fourth round pick in 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 twenty twenty one, and he's you know, like Patrick said, he's made a lot of stops. The teams he's been with Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Houston, teams that play some pretty good defense and stuff. So somebody saw something in him as a player. At six one and a half, he's two hundred and forty pounds. So he's got the size that maybe that they're looking for right now when it comes to uh, you know that point of attack again thumper guy that can step up, play the run, uh, and uh, and deal with that a little bit more size because the issues that they're running into. We've talked about this a bunch when they play those nickel packages and mm-hmm. stuff, and they bring those safeties down. It's you know it's guys like Bell and, and and Wilson those guys they're tough guys they're just not big you know and, and teams that they're gonna you know they're gonna say okay when you get in that nickel we're gonna run the ball at those guys so just getting some linebackers with some size and some thump and some point of attack play to them uh, might be something that uh, is on their mind right now. Well, with Sauber and Johnson, are you guys think based on what you guys are saying is there real possibility of them seeing the field at some point in the near future or is it more just specifically you just need bodies i think i think right now to answer that question you need bodies um because if you look at it and and brian makes an excellent point as far as sobert and and how he could maybe factor into the blocking occasion but uh you're going to need to get schoolmaker more involved as well yeah Uh, and then when you look at it from a linebacker perspective you got to get rashawn evans on the field you got to get malik jefferson continued to ramp up with damone clark but you also don't want to take away any unnecessary reps from a guy like Marquise Bell who right. is playing at a high level so right. uh, if you're Buddy Johnson uh, your mission is to get in here and and not suffer the same fate that Michael Jones mm-hmm. suffered yeah that's 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 it right there and you know I, I applaud them it, there's so many times where teams just sit there in the practice squad and they just it's the same guys you know you're looking at the same bodies mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. and and you're thinking well 
this guy's not getting any better. I, mean, I know it's hard to when they don't they they have some padded practices, but it's not like they're going out there and really just taking a run at each other. But you can see the movement, you can see how they step up, you can see how they go through the drills. But I, I give the front office some credit for this one because to me it's you just got to keep rotating that you don't know if you're going to hit a guy like that you Mm -hmm. don't know if buddy johnson all of a sudden like in this scheme you know it didn't work in pittsburgh it didn't work in san francisco Mm -hmm. but maybe it works here maybe something clicks for him and then now you you got a linebacker halfway through but a lot of times these teams will just sit there with the same practice squad the whole year and not do anything and you're not getting any better out of that i'd still love for him to make a trade somehow some way uh, we've talked about that a bunch around here, but uh, at least they're trying to churn that practice squad and maybe find a guy that can fit what they're trying to do offensively and defensively. Yeah, you never know where there is some hidden secret talent there. Yeah. Um, but okay, for now, let's put that aside, see what happens with that. As far as injuries, Cowboys coming off the bye week, where are they currently with the whole injury list. Well, they're they're in good standing right now. Um, you know, IR notwithstanding, obviously they lost Leighton Van Der Esch and CJ Goodwin to IR um, prior to the bye week. But both of those players are, you know, working toward trying to return at some point this season. So there's some optimism there. But uh, when you look at the laundry list of, of ailments that they were kind of dealing with going into the Los Angeles Chargers game, it sounds as if most, if not all of those are near 100%. Um, so Mike McCarthy said today, that Wanye Thomas, for example, he uh, suffered a hamstring injury that popped up ahead of that game. He was ruled out of that game. He's going to be a full participant today in practice on Wednesday, as will every other player on the active roster. And I know that that bodes very well for the Cowboys offensive line when you talk about Tyler Biadish nursing yeah. an ankle, Tyron Smith with his knee, Zach Martin with a thigh. If all three of those guys are also uh, full participants, that's just magnificent news because this is going to be game three of that uh, combination right. being together. And that we keep talking about the more reps they get together the more to pay dividends for them so yeah expect mm-hmm. uh the cowboys to trend upwards as far as health so the t- the bye week although it, it was a week earlier than it normally is um it was it couldn't have been at a better time for the cowboys yeah um now we throw around the word hopium that brian <laughs> likes to throw around here so there's one thing what we hope for and there's another thing like realistically speaking what are some of the main or biggest changing changes sorry that you guys are expecting the Cowboys to make or have made during the bye week heading into this weekend and we'll get into the the Rams offense on the second segment for but for right now realistically speaking what are some of those changes what are you thinking Brian well you know to me it's they've got to figure out some things in the running game and you couldn't practice all week because of collective bargaining and players have to have the entire week off. So there was really nothing you could do. It was all really scheme related. But they've got to figure out a way to be more effective running the football. And they have to figure out a way to get Tony Pollard. They're getting him involved, but they're not getting him or creating any space. I mentioned the tight end blocking. They've tried to do it a couple of different ways with the zone schemes. They're just not very clean at the point of attack with the combo blocks, getting the second-level linebackers. They played some good linebackers this year that have been able to run. But they got to figure out in this, in this off week, 
is there a better way to run the ball against the Chargers? It was more about trying to pull guys, and and you know we've talked to pin and pull is a word we use, down blocks, guys coming around. They just really weren't very effective at all. I mean, how are we how are you not getting movement? Two of the best that, that we've seen in the past have been what Zach Martin playing on one leg right now, but hopefully better. And him and Steele, they've been able to get that right side, get that thing secure where they do get some push, and then the tight end is able to get a little shield block, and then they can run the ball. But they haven't really had enough space. To me, I'd like to see if during that bye week when the coaches had an opportunity to sit down and self-scout, are we doing everything we need to run the ball effectively? They're going to have to be able to do it in the second half much better than what they've shown here in the first half of the season. And that's something that I think might be might look a little different. Like, okay, is it the way we're running it? Is it the sets? Is it the motions? Do we need to do it better at 11 personnel? Do we bring tight ends in? Does that make us compressed? I think these are all things they had to kick around during the uh, during the bye week to try and figure out where where they are. And, and I agree. And I think what bodes well in that capacity is, um, as announced today by Mike McCarthy, Jeff Blasco yeah. is back at practice. He had a, a personal leave of absence due to some health issues. He's missed several games in over the first six, but he returned during the bye week. He'll be back in practice this week. And I'm interested with his return. And for those that don't know, Jeff Blasco is both the run game coordinator and the running backs coach. Um, so it goes right to the heart of Brian's point as far yeah. as being interested to see what this Cowboys run attack, rushing attack looks like uh, going into week eight and going forward, particularly with Blasco now back on the field as opposed to his his duties with coordinating the run game being kind of split between other other assistants and uh, position coaches. So, um, But for me, it, it goes back to I still want to see the deep middle part of the field exploited. I want to see those shots being taken. Um, a little bit of optimism, and you go back and look at the Chargers game they took one or two shots there and it paid off for them um, so for me it's bringing that pendulum back to center and and not being fearful of attacking the middle of the field make the opposing defense cover three thirds of the field as opposed to just the boundaries because that's going to stretch those safeties um, and that's going to open up plays down the field more explosiveness we want to see explosiveness we want to see those vertical routes those nine routes on the outside well it's going to be harder if safeties and opposing defensive coordinators know they don't have to worry about the middle chunk of the field so exploit that take those shots and yes sometimes it's not going to work out for you sometimes it's going to be an interception but I'm on record as saying is I would rather uh, as long as it doesn't cost the Cowboys games I would rather the Dak press Scott that throws, you know, for 35 touchdowns, but has 12 interceptions and the Cowboys are 12 and 5, 13 and 4 um, versus the Dak Prescott that throws, you know, 24 touchdowns to eight interceptions. But you're nine and, you know, eight and you're in a wild card situation. So, yeah, for winning games, you can care less about interceptions. Right. That's what I'm saying. And that's been proven time and time again. It's been proven around the league. It's why Jalen Hurts is being excused Mm -hmm. for, you know, uh, almost leading the league in turnovers and interceptions right now. It's because the Eagles are winning games so if you win games the rest becomes forgivable winning cures everything as the saying goes so take those shots deep middle and really put pressure on the opposing defense on on the defensive side of the ball I think you have to look at we now have a game without Leighton Vanderish playing as a linebacker Mm -hmm. so now teams will have a look at 
Damone Clark and Bell and other guys like that. And so I think in the off in the the bye week there, Dan Quinn now has Which to. Which they did. They did okay. They no, did they did good, absolutely. But you don't know yeah. how much that's going to hold up. Exactly. That well, the, the big que- yeah the big question was. Clark had played really well against New England, and the other games he hadn't played is to the level that I know that I thought he. I've, I've seen him play at such a high level at LSU, and I, I just kind of expected. I know he's coming off the the back and all that. He, the fact that he even played last year is just beyond me. But you know, I mean, he did a great job with that. But the the thing about it is now with him being the primary linebacker, and then others having to fill in. Uh, I think that's something it's it's all on tape now with what the Chargers game was. Will Sean McVay and the Rams, how will they attack this group? So it's going to be up to Dan Quinn to kind of figure out what's the next move. Am I going to be able just to sit in there with Bell and these others just, you know, playing that tech Bell mm-hmm. and Clark and those guys playing technique? Or do I have to be a little bit more creative and keep them from maybe getting exposed uh, until Van Der Esch gets back. Wonderful point. And what will work in the Cowboys' favor is that while um, the Rams and other teams, they've now seen what the linebacker core looks like without Leighton Van Der Esch. They can try to map around that. Yeah. They haven't seen what the Cowboys' linebacker core looks like with Rashawn Evans in it. Right. So there is a chance that Rashawn Evans makes his debut for the Cowboys against the Rams. Of course, that is contingent upon how practice goes this week. But uh, that could be a variable that works in favor for the Cowboys is that teams just don't know what Rashawn Evans looks like with uh, uh, with. Dan Quinn coordinating them. They, they thought they thought something. It was really it was it was kind of strange to me. They thought something that they could get a scheme package with that Tyrus Wheat playing, you know. And I, yeah. I and I didn't. I, and his 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 first game was was rough, but I, I didn't. You know, it's that's what coaches do. They come up with well, we think we could take advantage of this. We could you know use this guy, use that guy. And so I wonder if there's some other move that they're thinking about because, like I said, I didn't really understand. Wow, the wheat! They bring him up. Here we go. Sign him. Mm-hmm. Let's go. It's, and now he's part of the plan early in that football game. And you're like going, was that really what they wanted or envisioned <laughs> right. for that? So coaches are always coming up with ideas, and and Dan will be no different this yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, we're gonna go ahead and get into the Rams, the breakdown of the Rams' offense against this Cowboys defense. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now, Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is, Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot Rowdy cheering on the boys. And now he's on his phone, on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive. Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in in the English language, you must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome back into Dear Doctor, the show where I answer life's questions with an ice-cold can of Dr. Pepper. Sheila, let's hear from our next caller, would you? Dear Doctor, my friend supported me during a tough time, but what's the right gift that says, thanks for being a soldier to cry on? Okay, this one's easy. I say give her a delicious Dr. Pepper. 
Nothing says, thanks, girl, better than a one-of-a-kind soda. Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper is the one you deserve. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back to the break. Make a statement this football season with the new Nike Volt collection, a bold collection of uh, neon accents that will make you stand out like a star that you are. Head to the pro shop near you or log on to shop.dallascowboys.com. A fanatics experience. Welcome back. This is the second segment of the break presented by blockchain.com. Ding. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Ding, ding. So we did find out some exciting news this morning about DeMarcus Ware and his induction to the Ring of Honor, which will be held this weekend. Uh, Patrick, tell us the details of, of that. Well, Demarcus Ware um, immortalized this this past August uh, in the fo- Pro Football Hall of Fame. Joins you know greats like Jerry Jones and Roger Staubach and Troy Aikman in the long list of Dallas Cowboys. They should just build another building up there in Canton Ford for Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Um, but Ware is also being inducted, as you said, into the Cowboys' coveted Ring of Honor. That will that ceremony will occur this Sunday at halftime when the Cowboys take on the Rams. So big news for the Werewolf. Um, the the second part of his immortalization will will happen this week. It's fun. There you fun go. To, fun to always see those events happen at the stadium during a game. Uh, it's always fun stuff and exciting times for him. Yeah. So super cool. Make sure you go out and win for where. Don't don't yeah yeah don't lose on <laughs> where's big day. Like game. yeah, there you go. All right, let's go ahead and start breaking down this offense. Yeah. Uh, Brian, we're gonna go through blocks and we're gonna start off with the quarterback. Right. And what do they got right now? Yeah, Matthew Stafford is their is their guy. And, uh, you know, Matthew has dealt with uh, some injuries last year where really it was a problem for him. They didn't protect him very well. He took a lot of shots uh, during the game. I mean, shots as hits, not actual physical shots with syringes or anything like that. <laughs> but he, he dealt with a concussion. Thanks he, for the clarification. Yeah, yeah, he dealt well when you say shots. He, or, yeah. Yeah, or you can talk about fireball, too, is another thing <laughs> you could have done. And Matthew probably would. But uh, you know, with concussions he dealt with, he had the spinal cord contusion last year. That, that, that's the one thing that knocked him out. It happened to him in Week 14. So, so far, so good for him. He's only really dealt with one thing in Week 4. He's, he had a hip injury that kind of slowed him down a little bit against the Colts. But he came back in the game and and was able to to win the game. Um, he wasn't moving around too well, but he was able to finish the game and grab that victory. So, you know, good for him. He's he's always been a super tough guy when you watch him play. He's got a resilient 
ability to just kind of keep fighting throughout a game. He moves well enough in the pocket, but he's not one of these these quarterbacks that's going to run away from you. He'll hold the ball until the very last possible second before letting it fly. Uh, You can watch him. He's like a a baseball pitcher. His, his, His platform is usually like he'll throw it sidearm to get it around a guy. He'll loop it over the top. He's got touch. He's not afraid to throw the ball. He's one of those guys, though, that's always been a good tight window thrower. But if you look at the metrics they talk about, he hasn't made as many tight window throws this year. Uh, so he's looked, uh, kind of choosing more of the guys that have some separation or that are completely wide open. But he's not afraid because he has the arm talent still to get the ball anywhere uh, he wants to put that football. His uh, The primary routes that he throws are the in-cutting routes. We worried about that a little bit with with uh, with what's going on with Gilmore. Will mm-hmm. we see those routes? Will they make Gilmore chase? Uh, that's something that the Rams like to do. They'll get the receivers, and then they'll they'll run them on these in routes. They like to try and trail each other. So all of a sudden, you got a guy that they'll they'll run guys. They'll delay a guy behind another guy, run the route, and then run another route behind that uh, to try and give you a little bit more of confusion uh, right there. So. Stafford, it, but it's going to be to get those routes off. You got to have protection, and that's kind of been a little bit of a problem for them. Uh, the metrics will tell you that teams will play more zone coverage against him than they will man. It's about a seven thirty split against him, and then he gets blitzed uh, about thirty percent of the time. His pressure rate is about forty one percent, so you can kind of see nearly half the time he's throwing the ball with somebody in his face, primarily. Uh, he operates out of what we call 11 personnel. That's one running back, three wide receivers. This is 93% of the time. So the Cowboys are going to be in nickel the really the entire time in this game is with the Rams being on the field. So how well can he keep his composure, the mental toughness? Because you say with the injury history and all that, and him maybe not running as much or right. running around too well, if you get it, a bunch of pressure, mm-hmm. and then you said he throws the ball away. Yeah, how mental? How much mental toughness does he? Currently no, he have? he. It, it it's I, the word I use, and it's terrible English. But I wrote in terrible English all the time, and Dave Hellman always corrected it for me. I said super impressive toughness. Super being like, there's quarterbacks in this league that are tough. I think Matthew Stafford is on a whole nother level. If you look throughout his career at Detroit, he took a beating in Detroit. They trade him to, uh, to to the Rams. He wins a Super Bowl there, and then the team kind of falls apart around him. The offensive line will get into that. That's, this is a big problem for them. But he's always been able to maintain that toughness. You see him get hit time after time after time, and then he's back still throwing the football, sidearm, underhand, whatever he has to do. Uh, that doesn't waver with the way you watch him play at all. And, and when it comes to Matthew Stafford, and of course I've been watching him since since his uh, college days, Georgia, yeah. because yeah. that yeah. right. So, um, t- yeah, go dogs. <laughs> so to Brian's point, I mean, when it comes to mental toughness and yeah. physical toughness, uh, Matthew Stafford has those in spades. Um, but objectively speaking, he's also boomer bust when it comes to his style of play. He's either going to light you up yeah. for four or five touchdowns, or he's going to throw four or five interceptions in that yeah. game, trying his best to light you up for four or five touchdowns. Um, so the, the 
the opportunities for takeaways will be there as long as you get the pressure uh, on Matthew Stafford and the Cowboys have the highest pressure rate in the NFL. Um, I would love for this to be the game where more of those pressures get home, um, but the pressures are disruptive nonetheless. So if you can get in Matthew Stafford's space, I mean, he's mentally tough. He's going to stand there and he's going to make that throw, but the throw isn't always going to be the smart throw. So uh, if you can get him early on, to, to make a mistake, then that'll get him kind of rolling in the wrong direction. But if he gets on kind of a, a hot streak early, you might be in for kind of a long day there. Well, uh, especially with guys like Puka Nakua. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get into that later. Uh, but right now, what I'm visualizing, it, it looks more positive for the Cowboys and, and their defensive line and the pressure. So yeah. let's get into those guys that are are around him, protecting him and yeah. creating that uh, yeah. pocket for him. Yeah, I think when you look at the when you look at the the Rams and the offensive line, it, it's it's really short on household names. Uh, you know, most teams you play, there's two or three guys or two guys that you kind of know that, okay, this is an all-pro guy, a Pro Bowl guy, or this is a good ascending guy. Uh, the, the Really the only bright spot I see right here is uh, Steve Avila. And uh, he's, in, in, you know, when you look at, you know, he's a rookie from TCU. He's, uh, he's from Arlington here, which is kind of cool for him to be able to come home and play. Uh, in, in college at TCU, uh, Avila played every offensive line position. They've got him playing guard here. He's not the best athlete, but his power makes up for any shortcomings uh, that he might have. If you try and rush him down the middle, he is going to be a hard guy to move. You just can't run through this guy. He's got a great base. He's physical. He's strong. He's really sturdy if you just try and run over the top. Where he does have troubles is with movement. And, you know, there were some teams that gave him some problems in these games that I watched. He's a rookie. I think this is where maybe that Osa Odigi Zawawa can mm. take a little bit of an advantage of him. Because the, 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 the harder, the, hard, the more quickness that he deals with, you see him, it, it kind of affects the way that he sets and the way that he moves. You could take him one way, take him back the other, and then get on his shoulder and go. But if you're going to rush him down the middle, you're going to lose all day. He's just going to sit down. and. But he's a good, good young lineman for them. He's getting better every game that I watched. Um, where, they're, where they're really where they struggle is Ulrich uh, Jackson and Rob uh, Havenstein are, you know, these, these guys are the tackles. And I think you could take advantage of them because the Steelers, if you watch the Steelers, and I kind of can look at the Steelers the same way with the Cowboys with their ability to play on the edge and have these pressure players. And these two tackles really struggled with movement. And I mean movement of not just running, but it was like it was it was like, you know, that quick, just that initial shoulder that shoulder shake or that, you know, press and then go back the other way. These guys just don't move very well when it comes to dealing with initial bursts from uh, from those edge rushers. So you can kind of get them off on the wrong foot, and that and that kills their balance. And then you work around them, or you work inside. I, I just think this is one of those games where you need to pressure. Uh, both of them throughout. Don't give them any easy rushes. Make sure you're on the movement. You're trying to get them off balance because they will. They'll struggle with that. The Steelers did a great job of just every attacking rush was a movement 
and it got them off balance, and then they were able to to get to to Stafford there. So uh, they will do a much you know uh, they're they're a group that will struggle, like I mentioned. In that their center I want to talk about is Coleman Shelton, and what's unusual about him is he's really good at helping his teammates, his linemates when he's uncovered. I'd cover him. I'd cover him. I'd make sure somebody's on him because he's not going to win a lot of battles one-on-one. But he's much better at helping when he can kind of see like, oh, hey, my guard needs help here or my, you know, or I got to kind of keep an eye on the the rusher over here. He's good at doing that and having that kind of awareness. But when he has the one-on-one assignment, it's a little bit of a problem for him. Uh, It's unusual for him is he's one of these rare centers that snaps the ball left-handed too. So it's a little bit different look. When you look down the line, you're used to seeing those right-handed centers. He's a left-handed center, so it'll just kind of be a little bit different for your eye when you're looking inside and trying to get off on the ball there. So is this a situation where you guys feel that the Cowboys' D-line can start getting more pressures and stacking up those sacks, getting back into actually getting a sack? I I think this is a good uh, good matchup for the Cowboys' defensive line. Yeah. the talent that they have going across the board, when you look at how it matches up against the talent on the Cow- on sorry on the Rams offensive line, I mean, advantage Cowboys in a big way. I think this is a game where they can get pressures, particularly in the interior. Like right. you said, this keep an eye on Osa. I think Osa wrecks this game, which then opens the door for guys like Mike and Demarcus Lawrence. Right. And I mean, you might even see Jonathan Hankins get back there a few times. Sure. Um, the question has been, like you said, will they start getting home more often than not? Well, you're going against one of the few matchups in which the quarterback is not mobile, doesn't have a ton of escapability in Matthew Stafford. So if ever there was a game that was kind of set for you to kind of tee off on the quarterback, like this is it. You're not going to have to contend with Joshua Dobbs' legs or or Daniel Jones' legs or any of that nature. It's Matthew Stafford. He's a pocket guy. He's not one that likes to leak out of the back um, back end of the protection and, and, you know, rattle off uh, a first down. He's going to be back there. The Cowboys are going to get back there. Matter is, after that, put your hands on them. All right, let's take our final break. When we come back, we'll start talking about some of those offensive weapons that they do have (laughs) at wide receiver. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Don't put off getting your oil change, Dallas. Take 5 Oil Change. A proud partner of the Cowboys is faster than you think. There's no appointment needed and no waiting room. Yep, you heard that correctly. Take 5 is so fast, you don't even have to get out of your car. You can take advantage of Take 5's fast, friendly, and simple service at any of their locations across the Dallas area. And remember, at Take 5, you stay in your car because they're faster than you think. Take 5, the official oil change of the Dallas Cowboys. It's the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. And right now, Cowboys fans can get 15% off their $75 order. Plus, because every deal needs a playmaker, your order will include a free five-piece skincare set and free shipping. The Jack Black Playmaker is four of Jack's favorites and a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Make a play for the playmaker at getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code Cowboys VIP. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code cowboys VIP. They say champions are remembered, but legends 
are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Back to the break. All right, what do we got here? Rally Days, presented by SeatGeek. Give NFL fans an experience of a lifetime the day prior to the Dallas Cowboys home games on October 28th. Enjoy activities at Miller Lighthouse. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of AT&T Stadium and more. Visit attstadium.com slash rallydays for more information and to get your tickets today. All right. Thank you, Brian. Welcome back to the third segment. So far, so good. I like this report, Brian. So don't don't change it up now that don't we're about to don't, don't start going the other way now that we're about to get into uh, wide receivers and yeah. what they got going on. I think this is the really the strength of their offense when you look at uh, – uh, they've done it. They've gotten Cooper Cup back. We all kind of understand Cooper Cup and what he's done. He's been dealing with a hamstring injury, but now he's back. He's played in a couple of games. It's for them. It's really good to have him back in the mix. What makes him so difficult to deal with is he lines up all over the place. He'll split time between the slot and the outside wide. It's almost 50-50 where they line him up. I mean, they just don't say, okay, we're going to just put you in the slot or we're going to just gonna put you outside. I mean, it's really legitimately split 50-50 where they're going to try and put him. The majority of his targets have come from the slot, and the majority of his receptions, is funny, have come from the outside. So the, they throw the ball to him inside – but they have more receptions with him on the outside. So just, you know, that's kind of a little something crazy to kind of uh, keep in mind there, though. Um, his his separation is interesting, too. He, he gets less separation from the slot than he does on the outside, which is, uh, you know, you usually think like in the slot you have this – you know, you have the ability to use the whole field. You have what they call a two-way go where you can just kind of go anywhere you want. On the outside, you kind of have a prescribed route that you run. It kind of contradicts itself. Exactly. It's it's a weird thing, but he's, he's, he's really good at catching the football. He makes super tough catches. He's tough. He'll take a hit. Uh, he's one of those guys that likes to come across the middle. You give him the ball, and then he's going to make big plays. It's very similar to what you kind of saw in the receivers in San Francisco that – Shallow cross, hit him with the pass, let him go up the field. Or, you know, kind of run him a little bit deeper, intermediate across the field, throw him the ball, let him run. He's one of those, uh, you know, he's a very, very talented receiver in that way. Uh, we talked about Puka Nakua, and th- this has been, this guy's been a steal for mm-hmm. the Rams mm-hmm. through the, the, the first seven games of the season. Uh, he f- it really burst on the scene because he was filling in for Cooper Cup. And you know, but they use him like Cooper Cup, and so now it's it's more of a the with Cup back, he's kind of gone to a more of an outside role. But man, when every time Stafford throws in the ball, it just doesn't matter where it is; he's going to catch it. He's just that's that's the way he plays, and uh, I, I just was super impressed with you know, with him and his ability to come in and, and the nuances of the game and running routes and all that. You know, it, it's been really impressive. You've got to be aware both these guys are very similar to how they play. Uh, they play inside. They play outside. They drag routes. They go up the field. They turn around. You throw them the ball. They run. 
Uh, it's really, really, it's been impressive. He, I think that he has more quickness than what you have from Cooper Cup. And, you know, that's something that you're going to have to deal with right there because he has the ability to create that separation. But the third guy I want to point out, too, is Tutu Outwell. Mm-hmm. And like his teammates, the majority— they have some fun names out They'd there. have some oh, yeah. great names, great names. Tutu, Pacu- Tutu yeah. Outwell is a— the majority of his work is done on the outside because you got these other two guys that really work on the in, on the inside. Where he presents a problem is they bring him in into the formation. They'll like he's the guy they're always going to put on the move. So like the guys will be stationary and then they'll bring Outwell in motion. They'll make it a trips formation, scatter. They'll move him across. They'll bring him by himself. But they're always he's the one guy that's constantly moving. So if in zone coverage, you got to be aware of him starting on one spot and then ending up where you're at. Or if you're in man, you got to be ready to travel across with him and and deal with that or bump out whatever you have to do. But he's the guy that's on the move. He makes a lot of big plays in the middle of the field. Uh, you know, there's there's times where Stafford is wearing defensive linemen and he just fires the ball in the middle of the field. Atwell goes down low, catches the ball right off the top of the turf. And uh, so he's one of those guys that, you know, like I say, you got to be aware of him moving around and with because of the motions to just kind of create issues. And then also with Cup and Nakua, two very similar guys to, to how they play. So they, they've got a, a pretty solid receiving core with those uh, with those three guys. Yeah. So how do you see the Cowboys defending this? How do you see these matchups? And how they're lining I mean, up. the good news for the Cowboys is they have the horses. I mean, even without Trayvon Diggs, you, you still have a very, very physical and sticky um, defensive back in both Deron Bland and Jordan Lewis. Um, as long as you can try to limit the number of times that you see Gilmore getting kind yeah. of trailed or yeah. dragged across on slants, which is how, um, how they offenses play. Are, yeah. are starting yeah. to take advantage of Gilmore. Yeah. If you can keep Gilmore playing straight up with his guy, then that's a matchup that you win. Um, and Deron Bland and Jordan Lewis, they have the physical to disrupt at the line of scrimmage. So, um, but I mean, it, no other way to put it other than how Brian put it. You're going to have your hands full you with are. Cooper Cup and and Puka Nakua and and Tutu at will. I mean, that's a lot of quickness, that's a lot of speed, and that's a, a lot of catch radius. But also, keep an eye on a guy like Tyler Higby. Yeah, um, that's the yeah yeah that that's the that's going to be the pressure release valve um, for Matthew Stafford. So if you're covering well on those receivers, you better make sure if you're J. Ron Curse, if you're those linebackers, if you're those safeties, keep an eye on Tyler Higby. He doesn't have any touchdowns yet this season, but that doesn't mean that can't change at the blink of an eye. So yeah, uh, they got some some weapons around Matthew Stafford, but as it goes, if you want to neutralize the weapons, yeah. you take out the quarterback. Yeah. Well, with Higby, what are some of his strengths and his abilities? He is a much better receiver than he is a blocker, and what they do, unfortunately for him, is they, they put him in a lot of car crashes is what they do. They'll bring him in motion, and they'll let him block at the point of attack, and he's just not equipped to do that. He'll he'll try, but, man, he gets wore down, you know, blocking on the backside in the running game, blocking front side in the running game. There's a lot of things they ask him to do that he's just not very – it's not his strength at all. His strength is getting up the field and then playing in the slot. He kind of plays – there's a lot of run, routes that he runs where he's near the line of scrimmage or uh, – uh, on next to the tackle, what we call in line, right next to the tackle. But the, a lot of his work also is done detached in the slot where he can kind of work a little bit in space. So it just depends on when they get in there, when they get in their 11 personnel, he is always going to be the tight end in 11 personnel. So it's those three wide receivers and then and then Higby. 
some teams treat Higby like he's a like he's a wide receiver. Like you put a guy when you put a guy like a linebacker or a safety that's not really comfortable in coverage, he he has success. But if you kind of treat him with a with a with a corner or somebody that can run mm-hmm. with him, it makes it a little bit more difficult for them. So I'm I, I'm I'm going to be keeping an eye on how do you match the other those wide receivers that we talked about. Like Patrick said. Yeah, attack the quarterback. Attack the quarterback. Well, that's the there. advantage you have right there. Your pass rush. Yeah. Yep. Your pass rush is an advantage over this offensive line. And can you get to Stafford before the ball comes flying out of there? That's that's where that's where that's this the is, recipe. That's it. Right well, there. let's go ahead and since we're running out of time, jump into the running game and how yeah. well they run the ball. Yeah, they, they've struggled a little bit because Royce Freeman and and uh, Daryl Henderson are now the primary backs. Uh, Karen. Uh, Kieran uh, Williams is an ankle injury, and he's been out. He's on IR. But they did a really good job. Freeman and Henderson ran the ball for over 120 yards last week against the Steelers. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be it's going to be shotgun handoff, like from the sidecar, you know, hand it inside, or it's going to be the pistol straight behind and just turn and hand it. When they go under center, it's usually like when they get they get like the Cowboys run the same thing. You just Dak takes the snap, turns and hands the ball to Pollard, and they just attack the middle of the line. There's a couple of different ways, but it's going to be like that. Out, the, it's going to be zone block. It's going to be outside uh, and just kind of let the back. Freeman is a really big guy. He's 238 pounds, so he's kind of a guy that's not really quick. He's just downhill and tries to be physical with you. Henderson on their side, smaller, quicker. It, does he usually get extra yards after? Yeah, the contact and stuff like that. That I was surprised at how well they ran the ball against the Steelers. That that was like whoa, you know that uh, that was kind of like you don't always expect the you know teams when you think about the Steelers and run defense. It's usually you know pretty pretty solid right there. But they got hit for about a hundred a buck twenty in this game. Freeman had sixty. Henderson had sixty. So that was that was uh, pretty eye opening for me. The thing that I like about Henderson is that he is smaller, he's quicker, and he's more decisive where he's going to go with the football. So, you know, you got to be ready. One guy is just going to try and run over you, and one guy is going to be a little bit more shifty in the way that he plays. With just to close off uh, today's show, is this? Since we talked about linebacker at the beginning of the show, is this a game where possibly now we do see the linebackers uh, struggle more than what we saw the last game? I I don't see why this would be a game where they'd be expected to struggle any more than a matchup like against Austin Eckler, for example. Uh, I think the the corners are the corners. And, I mean, that you have – because of the capability and the ability of the corners and the defensive backs, you don't necessarily need linebacker help there. Okay? So you get to allow your linebackers to more more so focus on run support and a guy like Williams who can catch the ball out of the backfield as well as Eckler can do. So the confidence there is you've now seen them shut down guys like Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler. That gives you confidence that the linebacker core can do that, hopefully against a guy like – Williams as well and outside of last week a a rushing attack from the Rams that is not their strength that's not their bread and butter and that's what they've been struggling at so it's a a Cowboys run defense that one or two games notwithstanding has looked very good even in the absence of Leighton Vander Esch last week versus a rushing attack from the Rams that a is not their primary goal that's not the bread and butter and when they go to it it typically more often than not hasn't gone well so I think the linebackers are in a good matchup I think the Chargers had a better offensive line than what the Rams 
100 percent so if you 100%. if you can take advantage if you can stop austin eckler the way that they did and play mm-hmm. play run defense to the level you played against the chargers you should not have a problem against these uh, rams and then your pass rush needs yeah. to just get home yeah all right um that is it for today rams I like got this. better receivers uh get home yeah yeah <laughs> again if you yeah. disrupt the get, pass get home, and get to the quarterback then you should be good, and hopefully some interceptions come from that, and the Battle, Cowboys yeah. can bust. get their hands on the ball uh, again, and maybe scoring points too. Who knows? That'd be fun. That'd be fun. That'd be right? fun. Remember week one? Shall we? <laughs> that was fun. Shall we? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much, and thank you for everyone who who listened. This has been it for Brian Broaddus, Patrick Walker, and Amber Garcia. This has been the break on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?